0: Uh, appreciate everybody here, appreciate seeing all of you wonderful folks with us today in person. Again, if you're new here today, uh, joining us at New Life Church, we, our mission is to make Jesus the center of our life, our church, and our community. Again, welcome online if we missed greeting you earlier. Uh, listen, let me invite you to turn with me in your Bibles or click on your smart devices to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4. As you go to Matthew 4, I'm going to take a few moments to read a couple of verses to set today's message up. My approach to this message today changed when I got up and opened up my notes and from the way it was when I finished preparing the sermon earlier in the week. And actually, the last song we sang, I found myself singing that song early in the week, and I didn't know it would eventually end up on the set list. Uh, Pretty cool how God does stuff sometimes just to say, I hear you, I hear you, I see you. And so my approach today is, I, is I'm not going to finish all that I had planned for today. I'm going to go as far as I feel necessary, but I didn't want to cram it in. I was approaching it in a little bit different method, uh, preparing it, but the delivery today will be a little bit different, and so we'll go as far as we feel like we need to go. And I want to talk to you today about, the title of the message is called, The Devil is a Liar. The Devil is a Liar. If you grow up like me in the outskirts of Memphis, we used to say, The Devil is a Lie. The Devil is a Lie. (laughs) However you say it, that's that's where it is. The Devil is a Liar. I want to read a few opening verses before we get to this main text in Matthew 4, and hopefully our signals stay strong Uh, We've been having some technology difficulties these last couple of weeks. Um, And so we're working on remedying those. John 8, 44, out of the Passion Translation. Jesus makes it very clear, and he says, The devil, he's been a murderer right from the start. He never stood with the truth, for he's full of nothing but lies. Lying is his native tongue, he is a master of deception did you catch that? Master of deception. And he is the father of lies. His name, the devil, has some root meaning to it, meaning the tempter, the slanderer, the accuser, the adversary. To, it means to ridicule and to gnaw. You, have anything, you ever have anything just gnaw at you? not like your little pet or something, your dog, but like in, internally, you just had some thoughts and some things that just gnaw at you. They just keep gnawing at you. They won't let you go. And it's like, man, what is I can't shake this thing, this feeling, these thoughts. And a lot of times, they originate here. Right from the start, he says, the devil has been a master, deceiver, and father of lies. And let's go back to the start, to Genesis 3. Look at it with me out of the new, uh, the NIV version. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, Well, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but... God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. Crafty, sneaky, the slithering serpent got Eve to doubt what God had said. And then if you jump ahead into the New Testament to Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 5 in verse 8 out of the NLT New Living Translation he says he wrote, stay alert watch out for your great enemy the devil the slanderer, the adversary, the accuser the tempter the one who comes to ridicule and gnaw at you, he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And now let's go to our main text in Matthew 4 as we start. Verse 1 it said, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. To be tempted there by the devil, and for forty days and forty nights he fasted, and he became very hungry. Real important truth there: you go without food, you're going to get hungry. (laughs) Jesus got hungry. Anybody ever get hungry? Nobody gets hungry. anybody hungry right now and willing to admit right in the middle of church? I'm hungry. Would you be quiet and get on and finish this so we can go to lunch? Right. That's not really the main point I wanted to make. Just want you to remember Jesus identifies with us. Okay? He identifies with us. Verse 3 says, During that time, the devil came. During that time, the devil came. So Jesus being led by the Spirit into the wilderness... He was going to fast. He was going to pray. This was before his earthly ministry took off. He had just, became, he had just gotten water baptized by John the Baptist, the Jordan River. And immediately the, the Spirit leads him away from everyone and everybody. But who found him? The devil, the accuser, the slanderer, the adversary, the tempter. The one who ridicules and gnaws at you found him. So Jesus was in a place and a space where it's potentially he could feel isolated. He could feel alone. He could feel separated from everyone and far from God. And this was at this place where the devil came, found him, and he tried to lie to him. He tried to lie to him. He spoke lies to him what we find out as we go through this text that Jesus did not buy into his lies. So Jesus was tried to be lied to by the devil. He can identify with our weakness. He can identify with us and our humanness. And he, he encountered these in this moment in this time over a 40 day period. The devil coming to him and to lie to him. This was a space and a place where that was happening, but this was also a very sacred space and place where he could meet God and where God could also meet him. All right? Let me say, that, say it this way. Anytime, you and I can be certain that anytime, anytime we intentionally pursue the Lord and pursue God and pursue a relationship with Jesus. Anytime we're intentional about that as we live life, you and I can be certain that the devil will try to come to us and lie to you. He will try to come to you and lie to you. All right? Anytime you make a decision, like starting today, we begin as a church, a 14-day time of prayer and fasting. Aren't you glad the Lord didn't tell us to do 40? He said, let's do 14 this year, at the beginning of the year. We try to do this every year as a church. A lot of of churches practice this at the beginning of the year. A lot of believers around the country, around this city and community are doing something similar to this. And so as we are setting in motion this beginning of these 14 days of prayer and fasting, we're making a decision to intentionally draw closer to the Lord. And be certain that in this time, the devil will try to come to you and lie to you. He has already tried that past. He has been starting the year off lying to people, trying to get people to buy into his lies. It's been happening for a long time. It happened here with Jesus. And so as we intentionally make a decision to pursue the Lord, to draw closer to Him, to maybe consider, what would you have me focus on this year, Lord? What kind of transformations are you wanting to make in me? Where are some things in my heart that I've not really been willing to yield to you? What are things in my life, God, that I, that, that I know, that you know, that you want me to know even more, that I can actually live without that, or I can make a change here, or I can walk away from that, or I can not worry like I worried last year, or I can not be as anxious as I was last year, I can change my approaches to people, I can change my approaches to situations, and I don't have to always be the same person all the time in the sense of where I got it wrong last year, I don't have to keep getting it wrong this year, that the power of the Holy Spirit comes to change us comes to transform us. And so anytime you and I become intentional about pursuing the Lord in any great way, in any measure, we can be certain that the enemy will try to come, the devil will try to come to lie to us. And if any given time, we may feel like we are far from God. Or maybe in our hearts there might be some who would say, you know, I am far from God. The enemy and the devil, he will still come to you to lie to you because bottom line is the devil does not want anyone to connect with or live for Jesus. He does not want anyone to connect with Jesus. He does not want anyone to enter into a relationship with. With Jesus, because when that happens, when a person enters into a relationship with Jesus and connects with the love of God in Christ Jesus, experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, and the life giving flow of His Word, eternity changes for that person. Eternity changes for that person. No longer lost but found, no longer dead but alive. It changes the placement and the future of where you spend full eternity. And the devil knows that. And the devil knew here in, in, in Jesus' life before he started his ministry he was going to give it his best shot. If I can get this, this coming king, this Messiah, this Son of God, this Jesus, if I can trick him, then the rest of the world is mine. He will never start this ministry, so to speak. He will never heal people. He will never, you know, deliver people. He will never come and help people. He will never take anybody out of strongholds. He will not break strongholds off of people's lives. He will, he will not speak truth. He will, he will not go to the cross. In fact, you see that at the end, too. At the end of, right before he goes to the cross, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. And he finds himself alone again. He asks his disciples to stay awake and watch with them. And man, I can't, can't, I can't talk bad about them because it was a long, long week and a long, hard day already and they were tired. And when we get tired, we, we, we get cranky and we just need to get away from everybody and we just need to go on to bed, Right? And he was like, but I just needed somebody to just kind of watch with me. I just needed somebody to to sit with me a minute. And he began to pray three times, Lord, if there's any way, Father, for this cup to be taken from me, can you do it? I I, I don't want to have to go through it this way. And you can see kind of between the lines how the enemy was trying to work him. And he knows, the enemy knows, if we say yes to Jesus and we keep saying yes to Jesus, and we keep putting the Lord's center in our life, He knows, man, eternity is changed for them. But He also knows when a person connects with Jesus and lives for Jesus, relationships change. Generations change. Because he's, he's been at this thing for a long time been at this thing for a long time and he tries to get relationships to change because he knows if a person connects with and lives for Jesus the way they treat one another the way they interact with one another the way a mom and a dad or guardian raises a child or children up will be different the trajectory of a family unit and households and generations to come will be different they will be god centered instead of world centered they will have a godly biblical world view instead of a humanistic postmodern world view and the devil knows that when a person and a family connects with and lives for jesus relationships will change. People who get married will stay married. I'm not saying it has the opposite doesn't happen. It happens. What I'm getting at, he knows, man, you have a greater chance of showing the love of Christ, the relational aspect of Christ and the church to the world through relationships. Uh, of, of, you, won't get, you won't always stay offended at someone. When you have Jesus in your heart. You come to a place where you know I'm going to let that go. And I'm going to forgive. You won't stay bitter at somebody. You won't take advantage of anyone. You won't try to manipulate people and situations in your relationship circle to get your way. When you really have Jesus in your heart. At center of your life. Because you know Jesus did not live like that. He did not manipulate. He did not take advantage of others. You see, in the enemy, the devil knows that slanderer, that adversary, that accuser, that one who ridicules and gnaws at us. He'll do anything he can to lie to us because he knows, man, when a person connects with Jesus, lives for Jesus, their relationships, they're going to be so different. And he also knows that when that happens, a person lives for the Lord, lives for Jesus, and connects with Him, has a life that is in pursuit of Him. He knows purpose for them will change. Why you exist? Why are you here on earth? What did God assign to your life? Here in our country, we were assigned social security numbers. Social security numbers are tied to our person. Lots of things have changed over the years on why that's needed and how you use them and all that kind of stuff. You've got to guard them, you've got to keep them because people can use them to steal your what? Identity. Our identity in Christ is also tied to God's purpose for us in Christ. And the enemy knows, the devil knows, man, if I can slander them, if I can accuse them, if I can just constantly come after them and get them to buy my lies, they will not think they are good enough to live for the purpose that that God has for them. I can't tell you how many times I have listened to that voice to tell me I'm not good enough. To live for the purpose God created me for. I can't imagine how many days and how many moments I've wasted in my lifetime. Worrying over whether or not I can live for the purpose God has for me. Because of the voice of the enemy. Of the devil who is so sneaky and crafty. He does this anywhere, everywhere he can. Anyone he can get to listen to them. And here, Jesus, spending 40 days in the wilderness to pray, to get alone with God, to find himself to be true to what God the Father had created him for, the devil came and tried to lie to him. The devil came and tried to lie to him. And he goes on, and there are three lies that we are going to unveil. Not all today. I'm only going to unveil the first one. Okay? And God willing, we'll pick up next week. But the second part of verse 3. says, during that time the devil came, and this is what he said to Jesus. He says, if you, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones... To become loaves of bread, remember he's hungry. So when you're hungry, you're thinking about food most of the time. Where can I eat? When will I eat next? Sometimes we're having, we might find ourselves having breakfast, thinking, "Man, what am I going to have for lunch?" Eating lunch, thinking, "I'm talking, thinking, man, I'm going to have this for dinner, right?" That's kind of happens when my wife's family gets together. We they we they just love to eat, love food. They're good cooks, and that's why. And so we might be eating breakfast, and um, they're all sitting around a table eating breakfast, and somebody will say, hey, guys, what are we going to have for lunch? And then it won't be but two minutes after they decide what we're having for lunch, we're still trying to swallow the the breakfast we're eating. They say, you know, here's what we might be having for dinner. I mean, all day we got it planned out. Because when you're hungry, what do you want to do? You want to eat. And the devil knew that. He said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so, this first lie, you see the devil come to Jesus And he tries to lie to him about his personal relationship with God. He says, if you are the son of God. He comes to him to make him try to question. Am I really? I mean, here I am out here in the middle of nowhere. Why would the spirit of God lead me out here in the middle of nowhere? Why would he put me out here in this wilderness and make me hungry and and make me thirsty and make me wonder? We'll often find ourselves throughout life as we walk with the Lord. Why does God allow this part of life to take place? And the enemy will try to take advantage of that season, of that situation or that time to get you and I to doubt our personal relationship with the Lord. Jesus counters it and he says, you know, no, here's the deal. The scriptures say this, we don't live by bread alone, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so the question then becomes, what does, God word, does God's word say about who you are And whose you are. I want to look at a few of those today. There are so many. I've just pulled together, um, I think, like six verses. Six scriptures. And these are not just uh, words on a page. Words in a book. These are God's word. This is God's word. This is what God's word says about you. And about who you are. And about whose you are. So when the enemy comes and the devil tries to lie to you to get you to doubt your placement, your position in Christ and who you are, who you belong to and who Jesus is in your life. These are six out of many different verses that speak a lot of good things about who you are. Let's let's take a minute to look through these. Ephesians 1 verse 7 is the first one. says, in Christ, in Him, we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the richness or the riches of His grace. In Christ Jesus, we have redemption through His blood that He shed. Forgiveness of all of our sins. Not according to our works not according to our performance, not according to how good we can be, not according to how right we can make ourselves appear to be, but according to the riches of His grace. The riches of God's grace in Christ Jesus never runs out, never ever empties of itself. It is always replenishing, always replenishing, always filling, always overflowing. Always abundant. You cannot exhaust it. And in Christ Jesus, we are redeemed. The Lord Jesus Himself redeemed you, redeemed me, paid the price for our sin... ...and He forgives our sins, all of them, all of our shortcomings... ...all of anything that would make us fall short of Him... ...that would get us to walk in disobedience of Him and our life in His direction... The, ...God's grace in Christ, we are redeemed by His blood and forgiven... There's no greater feeling to know that you know, that you know, that you know, in your conscience that your heart is made clean, like one of the songs we sang today. There is a good feeling, a feeling that's hard to describe when you know, man, all my guilty stains are gone, all my mistakes are washed away, my slate is made clean, white as snow, and that's in Christ Jesus we have forgiveness. We have forgiveness in our hearts. We have forgiveness of our souls. We have forgiveness in our lives that sets us up to have a right-standing relationship with God for eternity. Here's another one about who you are, whose you are, what it, the Word says about that. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone... Everybody, can you say anyone? If anyone is in Christ, anyone, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what you look like, no matter what, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Brand new. Made new. All things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. So in Christ Jesus, we are a new creation. You are brand new. And here's the thing, you don't get old. Physically, yes, absolutely. Spiritually, we don't get old in the sense of stinky, smelly old. You know, like go to the grave old. No, we are new. We are a new creation we, we stay new inside. Our spirits get stronger. The Spirit of God in us keeps us vibrant and makes us brand new. We are a brand new creation. Our complete identity changes when we are in Christ Jesus. Your old life before Christ and everything before then is passed away. It's dead. It's buried. It's in the grave. It's not coming back, or at least it shouldn't. Sometimes we go digging. And, in, and the enemy, the, the devil loves to dig, loves to stick his nose in your problems. You got anybody, you don't show your hand, but you know you got that somebody in your life that just likes to stick their nose into your business. They just can't help it. They just sniff it out. They just have a way of sniffing out your problems. and Like to snick, snick, just stick their nose right in the middle of your life. And you didn't ask them. Right? And it's kind of irritating. It's kind of annoying. The enemy likes to do that with you and I. He likes to get us to try to think, man, you're not made right with God. You keep having the same old issue. You keep having the same old problem. You keep having this cycle go on in your life. He tries to get you to doubt that you are right in right standing with God in Christ Jesus. But Paul writes to us, here in 2 Corinthians, and he tells us, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. And then here's another one, Romans 8.1. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. No condemnation for those who are in Christ, who walk according to... To the Spirit. Tell you what, condemnation is a real thing. Condemnation is a real thing. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world and judge the world, but he came into the world to save the world. And when he comes into the world to save the world, he comes to your life to save your life, condemnation bounces. It has to bounce. It has to jet. It has to roll out. It cannot stay. Condemnation is a tool of the enemy and a tool of ourselves sometimes, of our flesh, that we oftentimes find ourselves walking under. That when we mess up, we make a mistake, we say something that we shouldn't have said, We whatever it is, whatever it might be, you name it, whatever it is. Condemnation is not a byproduct of grace. Repentance is a byproduct of grace. Remorse is a byproduct of grace. Being in a place where we, yeah, we may feel sorry for what we did, feel sorry for how we acted, or whatever it might have been, and we repent and we ask God to forgive us and give us strength to walk away from that and change and be different. But condemnation, if we're not careful, tries to follow us and tries to attach itself to us and sit on us like a heavy, wet blanket and make us feel rotten, make us feel bad. How many times have you found yourself... No, you don't have to show your hand, but how many times have you found yourself... You know you disobeyed what God said. You know you didn't follow through on it the way the the Word uh, teaches us to. And we feel so bad for about five days. And for five days, man, we've lost five days walking around feeling condemned. Walking around regretting. Walking around living in the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Meanwhile, the grace of God's knocking on the door... The grace of God saying, let me in. I'm here to free you. I'm here to ease your mind. I'm here to set you free. I'm here to make you right. I'm here to make you be who God sees you to be in Christ. But condemnation is like this. No, the door's locked. Lights are out. Don't even try to go outside. Don't even dare try to open the blinds. Condemnation makes us feel low. And Paul teaches us, man, in Christ, there is no condemnation. You don't, you don't need to listen and have it and wear it. It does not belong to you. That is a clothing item that is, no matter how marked down on the clearance rack it is, it is never going to look good on you. Right? John 8, verse 36. He says, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Talk about what, the, what does the Word tell us who we are and whose we are. It tells us that in Christ, the Son of God, Jesus, He has the power and the ability and the desire to set you and I free. Whatever we wrestle with constantly. Maybe whatever has been passed down to you, how you were raised and how you were brought up and what was passed on to you and other things, maybe by choices you've gotten yourself into. And there's just these things in your life that are not God-honoring and certainly aren't putting good fruit on your tree because they're robbing you of the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness and all the other. Jesus sets you free. Jesus has come to make us free and free indeed. That's not a hype. That's not an overpromise and an underproducing statement. No, Jesus, the Son of God has all the power and the ability and the desire and the want to to set you and I free mentally, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, deep in our hearts. Set us free from the pain of anything that has ever happened in our life. He has the power and the ability and the want to to set you free. And when He sets you free, sets you free indeed. Indeed He sets you free. Indeed He sets you free. Let Him set you free from the mentalities, from the constant thoughts that go through your mind, try to lie to you and tell you. That you're not. Let Jesus set you free. In Christ, he says, he makes you free. And the enemy comes and he lies to you and tells you, you're not free. If you were free, you wouldn't even be thinking about it. If you were free, you wouldn't even give another thought. If you were free, you wouldn't act that way. If you were free, you wouldn't do that. If you were free, he tries to get us to doubt the freedom that Christ Jesus brings in our life. He frees you to be able to walk out your salvation in fear and trembling because the thing about it we're like I-40 we're always under construction I've got a I'm ashamed to say it but if you ride in my minivan I got a crack in my window it's been there for about 2 years It's a big crack, runs all the way across the bottom, starts to kind of run up the side of the passenger side. It's not blocking the driver view or anything like that. My vision is not not prohibited in any way, but it's ugly. And I ain't getting it fixed until that construction on I-40 is done and somebody says, that's going to be waiting a while. I know, I get it. It just happens to be the path we drive every single day. One of these days, it'll get fixed. Ain't that the truth? One of these days? When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. I'll be fixed. I'll be whole. I'll be well. I won't have my limps. I won't have my cracks. I won't have my bumps or my bruises. I won't have my irritable, frustrating, bad attitude on Tuesday and Thursday and sometimes on Sunday because it won't matter. How do I get there? How do I get there? I keep believing what God's word says about me. I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. I am bought and I belong to Jesus. And I am free. Even though there might be some days, Brandon, I feel bound and I feel limited and I feel weak. And I feel small, but when I call on the name of the Lord... And I confess my weakness to another brother and tell him, will you pray for me? Here's what's going on. Guess what happens? The power of heaven goes to work in my life. My mind begins to change. My heart begins to be lifted. My spirit begins to be rejuvenated. My soul begins to be refreshed. And I start to see not with these eyes and not with these specks, but with the eyes of heaven through the lens of God's word that tells me I am not bound, but I am free. And I stop buying the lies of the devil. About out of time. You got time for two more verses? All right. First Peter two nine. It says you were chosen. You're royal. You are holy. You are God's own special people to proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. See, you and I can't get ourselves out of darkness. You and I can't get ourselves out of depression. You and our you and our we can't get ourselves out of any predicament that we might find ourselves in. Discouragement disappointment, loneliness, isolation, whatever it is, Jesus comes to call us out. And if we hear His voice, we go to His voice, and we follow Him, we're royal, we're chosen, we're set apart. And lastly, Romans 1.7. The enemy wants to keep you in darkness. The devil wants to keep you bound to the to the lies That he has to keep you from the light. Romans 1.7 Paul writes. To everyone who's in Rome. Beloved of God. Called to be saints. Talking to just the everyday person. Grace to you. Peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to see that, that, that statement. Beloved of God. It appears 112 times in Scripture. I think that something that appears that many times ought to be paid attention to. Beloved of God, simply, you were loved by God and you were liked by God. I don't know a person that I've met yet that has it in their heart that can say, I don't care if anybody likes me. Deep in our heart, we're born with the need to be liked. We may believe, yeah, the big one, God loves us. How about God likes us? And when you like somebody... Like hanging with them, you like hearing their voice. You might you like receiving a text message from them. You like being tagged in their posts. You like being included in their TikTok videos. You like being seen with them because you know you're safe with. 112 times, Paul, uh, the scripture teach, tells us you are beloved of God. You were loved by God and you were liked by God. You know what? God likes me even on my worst day. I don't understand it because I don't like myself on my worst day. But man, it sure is nice when you can know that even on my worst day, God says, I sure like you. And you know what that does? That breaks me down. That breaks me down. That chokes me up. What if somebody in your life on your worst day just says, I like you? (laughs) You're like, are you seeing what I'm doing? Do you hear the words coming out of my mouth right now? Have you seen my antics? Yeah, I like you. Hey, that's what God's word says. Who wouldn't want to have a personal relationship with a God like that? I love you and I like you. Number one, the devil came to Jesus to try to lie to him about his relationship with the Father. If you really are the Son of God. And Jesus, we're going to walk through this. He walked through this first lie and he shows us, hey, the lies may come. The lies may get to your ears. But the truth To turn from your relationship with Jesus and not even, or not even turn to Him to begin with, to have a relationship with Him. He knows eternity, He's one. Will you stand to your feet? I'd love to pray with you today. Sometimes I just like taking my time. me to do that today and I hope and pray it's helped you today will you bow your heads? there's anyone here today that you do not have a relationship with Jesus you know you've never professed Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior there's here, you may feel like you are far from God. You you have walked with the Lord, but you have stopped. And you felt like you've just kind of wandered. But you know, man, you know God loves you. He likes you. He wants to walk with you. And you want to reunite and connect. I want to pray for you. If that applies to you today, would you heads are bowed, would you just lift your hands? I just want to pray for you. Just acknowledge I want a relationship with Jesus or I want to reconnect my relationship with Jesus. Okay. Well, Lord, I so thank you for giving us this time, allowing us to be together in your presence here in your Seal this word today by your Holy Spirit where the seed of your word has been dropped and planted in our hearts now seal it so that the enemy cannot come and steal it so that the so that the sun and the heat and the environment of this world cannot scorch it and prevent it from taking root let it take root I pray water it this week cultivate it this week let it begin to grow and bloom to be to make us oaks of righteousness in Jesus name help us to know truth who we are in you who you say we are and who you are in us this week in Jesus name Amen